Alas, I'm back with you guys. I'm sorry. I kind of thought it might happen like this. We just finished 15 prison events down here in the Florida Panhandle, and we're about to head back to Virginia, and it has been a challenge. Wi-Fi has been a challenge, um, you know, just finding this spot to be able to do a podcast. So I apologize, but I'm starting a new series called Shots Fired, and let me say at the beginning of it, I am not advocating gun violence in any way, shape, or form. I'll get there in a minute. Let me just uh, warn you that you may hear anything from the air conditioning going off to cars going by to all kind of noise because I am coming to you from the road in our RV. Um, I want to thank all of you that sacrificially donate and keep us on the road, keep us out here doing this. It has been absolutely remarkable. Um, we weren't sure what to expect coming back into prisons. You know, sometimes when there's a gap, such as caused by the pandemic, uh, rules can change for the negative. Instead, it changed for the positive, praise God. Apparently, word has come down from the top to be extra hospitable to volunteer programs. Uh, they want to get volunteers back, and that is what we experienced at every prison that we went to. We even had a warden and assistant warden sit through our whole program uh, at one prison. We had uh, the uh, assistant warden helped us push our gear in and push our gear out, took pictures with us, uh, he's now my friend on Facebook. It's just been absolutely insane. And we've had prisons contacting us left and right, uh, asking us to come. So Lord willing, we're headed back to Virginia. Uh, we'll be speaking at some churches uh, in Virginia and then uh, West Virginia. And then we'll be making our way back down to Florida and eventually out to Texas all Lord willing, of course. We've had invitations from Texas, people excited. And let me tell you, the inmates were just off the charts. Um, not all the prisons ran things as an open chapel. So, you know, we say the purpose of life on the verge is to entertain. We want to give the gift of entertainment, give the guys a reason to forget where they're at for a minute, just encourage them. Uh, then edify, which is to build the church, you know, to encourage the believers to continue to be the salt, the light, the city on a hill right where they are, and then to evangelize. Now, we don't always get to do all three. We always usually get to entertain and edify. The evangelism, if the you know most of the people there, you, sometimes all the people there, are already believers, uh, that's cool. We, we, that's part of what we do. But we, love, we did six two-hour programs at Sumter Correctional. I may have already mentioned that. And they ran it as an open chapel, so we had many, many people, well over half, that never come to chapel, that came to these programs. And uh, you heard one guy who was an atheist who told another guy, man, I just came here for the music, but now I've got some questions. That is wonderful. You know, now he, the seeds have been planted. Uh, we heard the quote from an inmate uh, who said, you know, for a couple of hours, I forgot I was in prison. Ah, you guys helped us do that. Um, you know, we're not going to win people to the Lord um by just criticizing and throwing stones. We've got to demonstrate the love of Christ, and you help us to do that. Not condone the behavior that got them in prison by any means, but let them know that they are still loved, that all we, like sheep, have gone astray, each to his own way. We all need a Savior. It's not us against them. Um, it's all of humanity uh, being assaulted by the kingdom of darkness, and we need to bring light. I say all the time, there's no such thing as darkness. 
Darkness is simply the absence of light. So we need to be the brightest lights that we can be wherever we are. So thank all of you that keep us on the road. Thank you for helping us produce professional quality music. I think I shared with you how the one chaplain uh, pastors a group of strippers that she meets with at 3 o'clock in the morning on, on uh, Sunday mornings, and she was able to give a copy of our CD to all of the uh, uh, girls that she meets with. Uh, with the song Dragons on it, and uh, 30 women prayed to receive the Lord that night. So thank you guys. Also, uh, there's a website called musicroomonline.com, and uh, they're out of Recondo Beach, California, and they have made the Plunders their featured artist on their website and on their airplay for the month of June. How cool is that? It's just seeds, man. You know, just just if anybody looks very deeply into the plunders, they as a matter of fact, our bio says what we do in prisons. And so we're just trying to be light in a dark world with the tools that God has given us. Do all you can where you are with what you have. God won't leave you where you're at. You've heard me say that a thousand times. So back to shots fired. Those two words would cause the hair on the back of your neck to stand up when, when I was a police officer and you heard that come over the air, shots fired. Man, it was like, oh, buddy, especially if you were close by. And when I think of that, I wasn't working the night my friend Chris Amos was shot uh, down in Norfolk, Virginia. But Chris and I went through the police academy together. And Chris had just become more vocal about his faith on the police department. And I was kind of a closet Christian at the time. Chris uh, was, he gave out a Christmas card. Uh, to a lot of officers with his testimony and how he almost took his life over an addiction to pornography and how he'd repented, recommitted his life to Christ. Let me tell you, I thought that was kind of almost um, uh, career suicide, uh, you know, for a cop to put something like that out there. But God promoted him through that. He and a guy named Dave Huffman rekindled the thing known as Bike Patrol in Norfolk, Virginia, and ended up influencing the entire region to start bike patrols. They went out and bought their own bicycles, got permission from uh, supervisors to start doing bike patrol in the projects. And this was during the heyday of open-air crack markets. And so you can imagine uh, how much easier it was to creep up on these drug deals without a car instead on a bicycle. And that's exactly what they did. And one night... He and uh, Dave came up on a drug deal, and the buyer went one way, the seller went the other, and Chris took off after one of the guys. They separated, and the guy turned around and took a shot at Chris and hit him in the chest and knocked Chris off his bike. And Chris was laying in the street. He had a bulletproof vest on, praise God, so it didn't kill him. He was laying in the street. The guy kept running. Then he turned around and came back at Chris, uh, I guess aiming to finish Chris off. Uh, Chris says he just had a peace from the Lord in the middle of that turmoil, and he drew his weapon, and they both fired at the same time, Chris firing from the ground. The guy hit Chris in the leg, uh, but Chris took that man's life, and, and that's a tragedy. But I, I think about that, that case, shots fired, and how Chris's training uh, played into that. And so that's why I want to give you a little bit of firearms training today, and this isn't about uh, using gun violence in response to the crazy things happening in our culture. Shots are definitely being fired in our culture. 
definitely shots are being taken at the history as shots are being taken at uh, just the ideology ideological foundations of our country i mean shots are being taken at the declaration of independence shots are being taken at everything that we have known for generations we can see it i mean just turn on the negative news which is you know 24 7 365 broadcasting bad news because they know that's what keeps our eyeballs glued there's still great things happening in our world and so we've got to beware you know i'm guilty over the past few weeks of spending a little too much eyeball time on that stuff we can't ignore it but how do we respond to it well i think you know I, where I'm drawing this idea of shots fired and firearms and all that is I, when I was in the Virginia Beach Police Academy, I went back into law enforcement in the year 2000 and completed their academy. And we had a sergeant that would go up and down the firing line when we were doing firearms training. And he would say these words over and over again. He would say, firm grip, front sights, smooth trigger press. He'd say it just like that. Firm grip, front sight, smooth trigger press. These are kind of fundamentals to being able to hit your target. And so when I think about that, you know, how do we respond from being too distracted from the craziness going on in our world? How do we keep ourselves from being drawn into unnecessary conflict and thereby using our time, energy, and money on things that will not help us achieve what God put us here to do, our hopes, our dreams, our goals, the things that God put in us. We can be so distracted, you know, kicking at every barking dog. Winston Churchill said something like that, you know, we're never going to accomplish our goals if we if we kick every barking dog. How, how What do we do? And, and I think about that term, firm grip. We've got to keep a firm grip on truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's in John 14, 6. We can't spend all of our time studying the counterfeits. You know, I learned in uh, the police academy or somewhere in law enforcement that we don't, there's all, so many ways to counterfeit money. We can't spend all of our time studying all the different ways to counterfeit money. We've got to know the original so well that we recognize a counterfeit when we see it. And so we've got to keep a firm grip on truth. And by that, I mean Jesus. I mean his word. What did God say? This was the original lie of the enemy that duped Adam and Eve, or Eve at least. You know, did God say... You know, and then and then the devil tried that with Jesus in the wilderness. He actually used Scripture to try to convince Jesus of something other than the truth. We've got to have a constant and current relationship with Christ. We need His wisdom to navigate this crazy world. We want to be shrewd as serpents, but gentle as doves. That's what Jesus said. We we need to be wise in the way we don't want to burn bridges to people. We want to build bridges to people. It's not us against them. We want to have compassion on everyone the best that we can. That doesn't mean we don't call out lies when it's necessary, but we don't make ourselves unnecessary martyrs, okay? We can see the problem. We need to ask God to show us how to, well, like we did with the good infection. Lord, show us the opportunity in these obstacles. Show us the possibilities in these problems. I mean, I believe another thing that we need to do is we need to establish credibility among those that don't know the truth. 
In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9, um, Paul wrote, now, now listen, we live in this world where we could just, we could throw all these problems out there. It, it, we look at, you know, the Black Lives Matter thing. Okay, I'm of course Black Lives Matter. Every life matters. I, I get it right now. You know, Black Lives are under more oppression. I'm not trying to demean that at all. At least that's what we're being told, what we see in the news. And so, you know, it's it's kind of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? It's like, you know, to come at them with all lives matter. Of course, all lives matter. Of course, Black Lives Here's my point, is that the Black Lives Matter foundation or that organization has marxist roots even patrice cullers said that that they were that her and the co-founder are trained marxists that's from a 2015 interview you can look it up now they hijacked that phrase back black lives matter so now you can't say anything negative against black lives matter without making it look like you're saying something against black lives of course you're not but the organization itself um is is they're trained Marxists. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, you know, I just read a book called Live Not By Lies by a guy named Rob Dreher who interviewed tons of people that came out of communism. They're, they're, they're old, in their old age now. And they talked about how this Marxist thought, how communism crept up in society and looked like a good thing, a reasonable thing, and then it became a murderous thing. And millions of people died at the hands of communism. They tried to wipe out history. They tried to wipe out religion. And the guy you know, offers some decent solutions of how the Christian communists survived to see the fall of communism. Uh, one, of the, one of the guys he interviewed that came out of Czechoslovakia said, you know, that, man, I realized that if you're going to talk about conservative views, people would tell me, we'd be in a coffee shop talking about something, and I'd, I'd voice a conservative view, and they'd say, you better lower your voice. He said, I grew up like this. It's not supposed to be happening here in America. So we see this. We see the craziness with things like the transgender issue. And, you know, not that we don't show love to everybody, but really isn't that getting out of hand when we say that, you know, boys can can play in girls' sports, you know, biological males. Well, it's creating a mess. It's creating all sorts of division in our country. We see the problems. We live in a, virtually in the Truman Show. If you haven't seen that movie, you know, it's basically Jim Carrey plays a character who's being monitored 24-7 in order to sell advertising. You should watch it if you haven't seen it. But we are being monitored everywhere. You know, I, I see it as as a... Uh, we're definitely heading to the day when you're not going to be able to buy or sell. It's going to be controlled, all of it, right? Look at all the computer hacking, e ha hacking happening even today. Uh, the biggest meat distributor in the world was hacked, and now there's disruption with with uh, meat distribution around the world or in the Western world, and and so, wow, all this stuff is happening. I mean, you know, you can't buy a tomato today without scanning a number. Isn't that crazy? So we see all of this coming, and those that know anything about the Book of Revelation, the Antichrist, these are things that eventually. There will be a one-world one government, and there will be control buying and selling. So all these crazy things coming on the world, what do we do? We keep a firm grip on truth, and then we establish credibility to be able to share that truth with other people. So, back to First Thessalonians chapter 4, which it was the church in Thessal Thessalonica that Paul warned about the coming Antichrist. 
Now listen, listen to this from the, the second uh, book to or epistle to Thessalonians. In uh, chapter 2, verse 7, listen to this. this. This will freak you out if you're not familiar with this passage. He was talking about the Antichrist. And he says in verse 7 through 12, he says, For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, some people believe that that is the Holy Spirit. But what Paul is saying is something he is holding back what could happen um, through this spirit of lawlessness. In verse 8, And then the lawless one will be revealed, talking about the Antichrist, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. And all the ways of wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. We've got to keep that firm grip on truth and then we have to establish credibility to be able to share that truth while we have time on this earth. We, you know, we, we're, we all have an expiration date and during our time here at the foundation of all that we do, we should be try, trying to communicate the truth of God. We need trying to communicate and model Jesus. So what, what, did, what did Paul tell this church to do? With all this, this possibility of the lawless one coming, that God's going to send strong delusion so that people believe a lie because they refuse the truth. Man, that is, that is crazy. What did Paul tell them to do? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, he said this, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, here's the instruction, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Now, here's where our work ethic matters. Here's where our daily life matters. Here's where our response to all this bad news matters. Here's where our response to crisis matters. Our lives preach. Paul said, with all this wickedness coming, I want you to establish, win the respect, establish credibility with outsiders. And, and so I, I think that we can get drawn into unnecessary conflicts and burn bridges instead of build them. You know, uh, years ago, I, I heard a, um, a uh, police captain in my um, first police academy in 1987, he said, uh, the greatest form of law enforcement is crime prevention. And, and so, yeah, we can, we can go at it head on, you know, guns blazing, so to speak, um, and, and combat every counterfeit, every fire that the enemy starts, or 
we can try to communicate win people and communicate truth more in the microcosm that we live in if you're called to a national stage that's different you know but even there we should be concerned about what we can do where we're at what how much good can i do with my life we need to teach truth to future generations we need to teach truth to our children to those that are closest around us as we have opportunity especially with our children okay in judges chapter 2 um joshua had died this is after the israelites had taken they've seen all they did all these exploits and god has been with them and they've taken the promised land and it says in judges chapter 2 verse 8 joshua son of nun the servant of the lord died at the age of 110 and verse 10 after that a whole generation or after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors another generation grew up who knew neither the lord nor what he had done for israel then the israelites did evil in the eyes of the lord and served the baals they forsook they forsook the lord and the god of their ancestors who brought them out of egypt they followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them they aroused the lord's anger because they forsook him and served baal and the ashtoreths in his anger against israel the lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them a generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Now Israel had been in bondage in Egypt and God delivered them miraculously and gave them the promised land. But they failed to communicate to the next generation all that God had done. We have got to communicate to future generations, to those around us, especially our children. If you have children, small children, you've got to instill truth in them so that they will recognize the lies as they get older. You know, uh, I, it's what drove me into youth ministry. You know, uh, I, I've got, I, I saw turmoil all around. I mean, worked in forensics for three years and I saw nothing but murder and chaos nonstop in the city of Norfolk during those early uh, crack wars. Man, it was, I mean, we broke our murder record in Norfolk and they've never broken it since. They had 87 murders in a city of not even 250,000 people uh, in, in, I think it was 1992. And it was just murder and mayhem, not to include all the other horrible things that, that I had to be involved in um, in police work. So I, I was constantly surrounded, not not by news reports, but by firsthand experience of what devil, the devil was doing to humanity. And it led me to say, I've got to intercept this. I can't, I can't, you know, um, undo death uh, if someone has died, and not, not just murder victims, okay? I was seeing people dying in car accidents and SIDS deaths, little babies, and it's like, what do I do in response to this enemy called death? I project life. And so I got involved with a local youth ministry to try to communicate what God had done for me, how God had delivered me from Egypt, from bondage. And so I, I, I in, a, in a, sm a smaller church in Gloucester, Virginia, that was where I wanted to get involved and do something. And, you know, God has increasingly given us more opportunities and more people to be able to share what God has done for us. We've got to communicate that truth as we're able. You know, they say, I've heard this phrase, what walks in the Father runs in the Son. If you don't model uh, godly lifestyle, with your children, 
don't be surprised when they take it to the next level and uh, actually begin to serve the Baals and Ashtoreths. You know, walk away from the Lord, not because, um, you know, you didn't believe it. You believed it, but you didn't communicate it. We've got to plant those seeds. I'm the product of what my mother and grandmother planted in me as a child. You know, I could not shake that. God used that to draw me out of darkness and into his truth. So, let's recap again. We've got to keep a firm grip on truth. We've got to establish credibility with outsiders, and we do that by our work ethic, by living a quiet life, working hard with our hands so that we win the respect. You know, when I was a police officer, when I was a detective, I, I, I didn't um, serve the Lord full on for a number of years, but once I got to the detective bureau, God started to kind of jerk me back into shape. And I began to, to attend church on a regular basis, and I began to get involved with the youth ministry. But I had to do a good job at my job. I had a call to go into ministry, but I didn't know how to get there. What I could do right now is I needed to do a good job at, with my hands at what God had given me to do. And I won the respect of other detectives who, who knew that you know I was going to do a good job with a crime scene. And, and for that reason... I had opportunities to speak truth to them. As a matter of fact, I can remember one one detective, it'd be three o'clock in the morning, I'd be in the crime scene lab, you know, processing something or doing something from a crime scene, and he'd come over and he'd just hang out for a little while, and then he'd say, you know, let me ask you a question. And he'd start to dig in and ask me spiritual questions. Now, I could have burned that bridge by running around and condemning all the darkness, but I just tried to do my job well and establish credibility, build bridges and let God open the doors to communicate truth. And so, keep a firm grip on truth ourselves by staying in the Word, by staying uh, in, in prayer, by staying in church, by keeping a firm grip on the truth ourselves, and then establishing credibility to share that truth. This is our response to the craziness that's going on in our world today. Um, not burn bridges, but build them, establish credibility with people. And we need to teach truth to our children, future generations. If it's within our reach to do that with young people in a, in a church setting or wherever to commute our, our, our nieces and our nephews to take those moments that we have to plant the seeds of truth. Too often we make it too easy for the world to label us and discredit us, discard us what we have to say because we fail to do a good job at establishing credibility. Let me harp on that one for just a minute and I'm probably going to go over time, but I just did a video for um, prison inmates talking about evangelism and I looked at Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read through this really, really quick and just ask yourself, is this the way that you're approaching this crazy world we live in today? Matthew chapter 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Now, when I teach this, I say Jesus was approachable to sinners. Matthew was a tax collector. He was a crook. He ripped his own people off. He was despised by his own culture because he cohorted with the Romans, collected taxes from his people, took more than he was supposed to, skimmed off the top. Yet something about Jesus made Matthew say, okay, I'll follow you. Jesus was approachable to sinners? Are you approachable to people that believe entirely different than you? Or have you, you know, 
marched up and down the street, so to speak, with a placard saying, Jesus is coming soon, everybody's going to hell, you know, whatever. Um, are you approachable to sinners? Will they come to you? Like my friend used to come to me at the, in the detective bureau. Will they, you know, in, you know like Nicodemus, Nicodemus came to Jesus, you know, in the middle of the night and, and wanted to know more. Are you approachable? Verse 10, and Jesus reclined at the table in the house. He went to dinner at Matthew's house, and he reclined at the table, and behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. I make the point that Jesus was comfortable around sinners. Are you comfortable? Would you be comfortable in an environment where everybody sitting at the table believed differently than you? They were, they were sinners and tax collectors. They were crooks. They were criminals. Jesus is comfortable in that environment. Now, he's, not, he's on a mission of mercy, okay, so he's not there just to party with the guys. But I always say, well, that'd be like sitting at a, a table full of liberals who are smoking weed and drinking liquor and whatever, cussing and carrying on. But there was Jesus reclining at the table. Verse 11, and then the Pharisees, the ultra-religious people, saw this and they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he, Jesus, heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And my point there is that Jesus was truthful with sinners. He stayed on mission. He referred to them as sick, in need of a physician, right there out loud. And then verse 13, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. My point there is Jesus was merciful towards sinners. He was there on mission to declare truth. So we have to be shrewd as serpents, gentle as doves, not take a posture of us against them. Um, man, I, I just see so many bridges being burned sometimes on social media. It's not changing anybody's mind. You know, it's getting a roar of applause from people that believe like you, um, but we're not building bridges to people that need to know the truth. And uh, and so I, I hope that helps. Firm grip, front sight, smooth trigger press. I'll get to front sights and smooth trigger press in the next couple of episodes. Um, thanks for listening and uh, keep us in prayer. We hit the road today. We'll be traveling. Pray for us as we travel and we'll be at Christ Fellowship Church on June 13th. Actually, we'll be playing the KOA Virginia Beach on June the 5th. I think that's Saturday, this coming Saturday. And let me just... Uh, Give a shout out to those folks. The people that manage that KOA are strong believers, love them, and uh, they look out for us when we go to Virginia Beach. Great family-oriented campground um, if you're looking for a place to vacation. Thanks again for listening. Love you. Appreciate your support. Hope that helped. Bye.